Hello, and welcome to the She Flourishes podcast, a weekly soul-stirring conversation that lifts you out of the funk and into the flourishing life, so you can live life as the best version of you. I'm your host, Brenda Jasmine. For the past 11 years, I've been coaching women and leading personal development workshops as a speaker and mindset coach. She Flourishes is an extension of those workshops and conversations and is designed to help you create the flourishing life that you were meant to live. Let's get started. Okay, so here we are at the start of another new year. And this is the time of year when a lot of people decide to set New Year's resolutions or goals. And I prefer to call them goals. And I'll explain to you uh, the reason for that in a moment. But I just wanted to start out today by letting you know that we are going to be talking about goal setting. And in preparing for this episode, uh, the funny thing is, is (laughs) I was actually procrastinating doing this episode. And uh, I've been dragging my heels and the irony of it is it's about goal setting, right? Being motivated, setting goals. I had the goal of recording this podcast. And um, I think it's funny just to mention because even as someone who who practices this, who has studied goal setting for years and years, um, this whole idea that, again, I think I've mentioned Tal Ben-Shahar, who teaches or used to teach um, the happiness course at Harvard, he would say that we need to give ourselves the permission to be human. And so, and one of the principles of goal setting is to break it up into chunks if it's a big goal. So one of the things I've realized in preparing for this episode is that there is a plethora of information about goal setting. And as someone who has been studying this for years, the first time was back in university, then I I taught it when I did corporate training. I've um, taught it in my personal development workshops. I use it with my one-on-one clients in coaching, uh, our vision board workshops, the New Year's retreats um, that I've done uh, with Renee Walker in the past. I would always talk about goal setting and teach goal setting. So There is a lot of information out there. There's a lot of tried and true information that has been around for years. There's also some new information coming out through the science, uh, through neuroscience. And the more we learn about the brain, the more we learn about how it works, we can actually apply that to goal setting. So there's a lot of information out there. So um, in order to make it less, um, to make it more manageable and not overwhelming, and to give you the time to really set your goals. And, um, you know, my wish for you is that you not only are setting goals, but you're achieving them, right? That's the whole point of doing it. So I'm going to divide this episode into two parts. And so this first part is going to be all about sort of what you need to do um, the pre-goal setting stage. So what you need to do before you set your goals to make sure that they are really effective. And then part two next week, I'm going to share more about the actual goal setting process and the science-backed tools for setting goals that stick. So I will be doing that next week. So this week, and, and you know, Organically, this is actually how I set my goals. I don't do it all in one sitting. 
And technically, there was even a, a part before this, which is episode 61, which is the year-end review, the year-end ritual that I do every year that I share with you in episode 61. So if you have not listened to that and done your own year-end review, that is actually the first step before you do any goal setting. I highly recommend that you look back over the past year, because you'll be able to take the successes, the challenges, the lessons, um, what you learned from last year and use that as you go into setting your goals for this year. So um, I guess technically we could say it's almost a three-part process if you were to do the year-end review first. But in terms of at the actual goal setting, um, I'm going to talk today about, about um getting yourself ready to set goals that will will stick and set goals that will really make that behavior change that you want in your life. And this is also, this fits really well with the whole process of change. And research shows that there are stages um, in which change happens. And the first stage is pre-contemplation. And that's where you, you know, are thinking to yourself, like, I don't even know that there is something I want to change or should change. So that's the pre-contemplation part. Then there's the contemplation where you think, okay, I need to change, or if we're applying it to goal setting, you know, I want to make this change. Then the next step is preparation. You know, what should I do to make this happen? And also thinking about what could go wrong. And then you take action, which is putting the plan into motion. And then then after you put the plan into motion, you have the maintenance, which is where you've made the change and now you're maintaining it. And then finally is um, you can actually terminate it where the, you know, the old habit or behavior is no longer in place or you've built this new way of being in the world and it's just so natural. You don't even have to, you know, think about it anymore. So if we have, if we're doing a goal setting and we haven't really done the visioning or the contemplation and really thought ahead of time about what, our goals are, then we're going to be less likely to achieve our goals. So I'm really excited. Um, I know it takes a little longer to do it this way, but I just think it's so important to really take the time with this process. The other thing, admittedly, um, I find I often haven't completed my full goal setting process. Often for me, it's by the not until the end of January. And the reason for that is as um, a mom, and even though my kids are older now, um, with it just coming off the holidays, you know, we have extended family, we do a lot of visiting, a lot of um, hosting and visiting and all the prep around the holidays that, you know, we celebrate Christmas. And I find that it's only like, so today when I'm recording this, the kids have only just gone back to school now. And I'm really getting to refocus on myself and my goals again. And so, um, yeah, so that for me, I find I need those first couple of weeks of January just to regroup, kind of catch my breath after the holidays. And take that time to really think about what I want this next year to look like. So um, just saying that maybe you've already, you know, set your goals, you're off to the races, and you're just looking for some more tips. Or maybe you're like me, and you take your time a little bit more, and you need a little bit of um, breathing room after the holidays. So wherever you're at, um, and even if you have written your goals, or, you know, I, I think it's important to listen to this, because 
I'll be sharing some um, some things that can help you maybe uh, tweak your goals or maybe uh, switch them up a little bit or maybe just validate what it is that you're already doing. So one of the things we know is that, you know, with New Year's resolutions, they often come out with stats around New Year's resolutions. And I have found this really fascinating because it used to be that more than 50% of people used to set New Year's resolutions. Uh, But based on the recent research, so um, the research from 2023, so they don't have 2024 data yet, but what they're saying is that only 38% of people uh, are making New Year's resolutions. So last year, only 38% of people made New Year's resolutions. And of the people who actually make New Year's resolutions, only 9% of them stick to them all year long. Um, So for most of the people, they are not sticking to those New Year's resolutions. And of the 38% that make those New Year's resolutions, um, 80% of them are actually forgotten by February. So if you ask them in February, you know, are they working toward their New Year's resolutions? They've they've already forgotten about them. And there is a percentage, though, of that 38% that set New Year's resolutions. Um, there's 46% of the adults still stick to their resolutions after six months. So I think it's interesting. Um, they also have found that people who don't set, you know, have no New Year's resolutions are much less likely to um, to achieve their goals or to stick to any form of goal or resolution, which makes sense, right, if you don't set one in the first place. So I think this is fascinating. I, the reason I don't love the term New Year's resolution is that I think it's just something people kind of offhandedly might say like, oh, here's my resolution. You know, you're sitting around the table on New Year's Eve and someone says, oh, or, you know, or New Year's Day, you think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I want to lose weight this year. I want to be fitter or I want to save more money. Um, But it's, we maybe don't put a lot of thought into them and we don't really, you know, do all the things that we talk about when we look at the science of goal setting. And so, New Year's resolutions, I just feel like they're more like intentions that don't really have a lot of meat um, behind them. So I think, um, so I prefer to call it goal setting. And, um, you know, because New Year's resolutions, they, you don't really, um, and and maybe I'm wrong for some, or maybe that's not correct for some people. For some people, their New Year's resolution, they really see it as a goal and they they do all the things we're going to be talking about over this episode and the next episode. Um, but for the the uh, purpose of this, I'm going to talk about them as as goals because I think it's a bit of a stronger uh, stronger term in my mind. In preparing for this and this ex- episode, um, I was really um, I got excited because I get excited about goals because I'm all about human flourishing and I'm all about people, you know, reaching their full potential and. To me, like goals and goal setting, that's just, that's a really important tool in your toolkit um, if you want to flourish in your life. And when we look at positive psychology, and I know you've heard me, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about the six different pathways to flourishing. And one of those pathways is achievement, Um so in PERMA-V, which is the acronym for the six different ways of flourishing, and uh, if, you're, if you want to know what the others are, you can go back and listen to 
my episode uh, 59, The Secrets of Authentic Happiness. I talk about all of them. But the um, the one we're talking about, the A, is accomplishment and achievement. So goal achievement really comes under that pathway to flourishing. And it's it's one of the pathways to authentic and life um, lifelong happiness is to set goals and achieve them. So there's a couple things that I think are really important, um, especially, you know, it's interesting. Some of the research also shows that we're more likely to set goals in our 20s and 30s. And when we're 50 um, plus, we're less likely to be setting goals. And I, I think there's you know, one of the reasons for that, I think what can happen is that we can lose our faith in ourselves when it comes to goal setting. I think there's some people that we get to a point where it's like, oh, why bother setting a goal? I'm just going to fail at it anyway. I'm not going to achieve it anyway. You know, last January, I've set the same goal for the last, you know, five 10 Januarys, why would I set it again just to set myself up for failure? So I think there is a bit of that that goes on and that's normal and natural. And what can happen is we can lose our hope. And a a big part, and I, I think actually the number one thing with goal setting is that we need to have hope and belief that we can actually accomplish our goals. Otherwise, why would we set them, right? So if you're someone who's failed at your goals in the past and or not achieved your goals in the past, it makes sense that you would just maybe throw your hands up in the air and say, why bother? And I want to challenge you on that today and give you hopefully some hope and, and a new perspective on that. And that is that what we can do, the way that we can increase our belief in our ability to achieve our goals is by increasing something called self-efficacy. So our self-efficacy, psychologists use this word a lot. Um, It's essentially just a fancy way of saying it's what a person believes they can do with their skills under certain conditions. So it's the belief that given my strengths, skills, and talents, I can do it, or I can do something about it. I can change my environment Um, basically you believe you can change and it's more than just feeling good about yourself. So some people confuse this with self-esteem and self-esteem is really just about, you know, I feel good about myself um, and, you know, that's really as far as it goes. So self-efficacy is um, different in that you're believing that you can accomplish something. You're believing that you can change. And there's been some interesting research done on self-efficacy. And if you're a parent, this is important as well, because um, it's it's important to help, you know, there was this whole self-esteem movement where we were trying to make our kids feel good about themselves. And now what we want to be doing is helping our children to, yes, we want them to feel good about themselves, but we also, um, and have good self-esteem, but we want them to build their self-efficacy. And so if you have low self-efficacy, you feel like you, you know, you can't change a situation or you can't do something um, or change your environment. And that low self-efficacy is correlated with depression and anxiety. So um, you're more likely to have depression and anxiety if you have low self-efficacy. Whereas if you have high self-efficacy, so 
or you believe you can change and you believe you can do something with your skills, talents, and strengths, um, you have a belief that you're able to handle any challenge that comes your way. And that's correlated not only with achieving goals, but it's correlated with overall well-being and with improved problem solving as well. So it's really great to um, focus on having that high self-efficacy. And if we really want to be like how this relates to goal setting then is if you are one of those people that you sort of think, what's the point? Why bother? Or or even if you believe, okay, I still believe I can set a goal and achieve it, but you have doubts about your ability to do it. What's really great is we have the power. There are things we can do to boost our self-efficacy, which then helps to give us that hope and belief in our ability to to reach a goal. So I get really excited about this because I love knowing that there are things that we can do that are within our power. And these are all based in science and research and we can apply them to our everyday life. So there's seven different ways you can boost your self-efficacy. So again, your self-efficacy is you believing what you can do with your skills under certain conditions so that you believe you can change. And so one way is to have role models. And so if you have a goal, um, it's important to look at people you admire who have done something similar to what you want to achieve. And this can be a person um, that you know personally, or it can be a person uh, that you maybe know um, through the media or through maybe, you know, social media, maybe you follow them. And so look for, or it could be a mentor, it could be someone in your life, it could even be someone who maybe isn't even here anymore. Maybe you've read someone's biography, they can be a role model, right? Someone who's passed on, or an autobiography. And so Number one in boosting your self-efficacy is to have role models. And I find it's really helpful. Um, For me, I like to have role models that are, I find it helps if it's the same gender that I identify with and someone who is maybe around my age, um, but they're a little further ahead along the path than I am. Um, I just find that the more someone is like me, um, because it makes me think, okay, if they can do it, I can do it too. So I suggest, and I know for me that really works well, is to look for role models that are maybe in a similar um, life circumstance or situation and the similar, I, I see myself in them. And I feel like that um, gives me that inspiration to accomplish. So maybe it's someone in business, you know, that you admire, or maybe it's someone that's reached the health goal or fitness goal or financial goal or relationship goal that you have. And so you use them as a role model. So that's, that's one thing you can do. A second thing you can do to boost your self-efficacy is to have a cheerleader. So this is someone who would support you in your goals. So maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a friend, uh, maybe this is a mentor, maybe it's a coach. I know um, this is a role I play for my coaching clients is being that cheerleader, being that person who's in their corner, who can support them in setting and reaching their goals. The third thing you can do to boost your self-efficacy um, is to manage your stress appropriately. And so this is where if you're able to calm um, your sense of overwhelm or calm yourself down um, and deal with stress, that's going to definitely help you. So, you know, let's say you're trying to go after a goal and you get overwhelmed or you think, oh, what if this happens? You know, we get a case of the what ifs, right? Um 
being able to say to yourself, you know, no matter what happens, I can handle it. I've handled it before, or I've handled difficult things before, I'll handle it again. And so that's a real-time resilience tactic as well, by the way, this whole idea of being able to say to yourself, you know, I'll handle it. No matter what happens, I'll handle it. And that's actually a technique um, that can boost your self-efficacy as well. A fourth way to boost your self-efficacy, and I really love this one also um, if you're a parent um, with your kids to help them, is number four is to have mastery experiences. Um, and by the way, this all comes from um, uh, Sher- or Caroline Adams Miller um, Miller's book, Creating Your Best Life. And so this whole idea of having mastery experiences, this is where you set yourself up with different experiences that that push you to grow um, and to succeed. So to you know work your muscles, so to speak. And when you commit to something and you get better at it, you you do become masterful at it. So if you push yourself, and I'm not talking about pushing, you know, especially if we're talking about parenting or even yourself, like you're not talking about cracking the whip here, but it's like positively, you know, pushing yourself, setting a goal or making a commitment. And um, so that you can have that mastery experience. So uh, for instance, for me, um, growing up, I was, you know, swimming was really big in our family. I was a swimmer. I um, did, uh, I I became a lifeguard, a swimming instructor. I was a swim team coach. Um, I did some racing, a little bit of racing, not a lot. But um, for me, if if I were to look back, I would say what's something I became masterful at, it would be swimming, um, something that I learned how to do and something that now I just, you know, can jump in a pool and I can do any stroke and and it's it comes very easily um, to me. But that came over years and years of practice and dedication and, and teaching and, and all the different things that I did. Um, getting to that level of swimming. Um, when I look at something like skiing, <laughs> I am still uh, working at um, becoming like at mastering, but I've mastered certain hills, right? I've mastered certain skills. And so, you know, if you think of physical experiences, the more you can set yourself up to master something or get good at something, the greater you build your self-efficacy. And even if it's not in the same thing, it can translate. Because because I know that when I put effort into something and I get good at it, that gives me the belief that, oh, maybe I can apply that to something else in my life. And it's this whole growth mindset idea where we believe, you know, uh, fixed mindset is where you think, you know, you have to be born with something or you, you have have to have a natural talent at something to ever achieve it. Whereas a growth mindset is, you know what, with deliberate practice, um, I can get better at something. If I put effort in, I can get better at something. So the more we can have these different experiences in our life, um, the more it can help us to, um, to leverage that when we're going after other goals and things in our lives. So the fifth way to boost our self-efficacy is to know what our strengths are. So understanding, you know, what are my strengths? What are my character strengths? What are my abilities? Um, And you can say talents. I'm not saying when I talk about fixed mindset, we might have things that we have a natural inclination that we are naturally um, good at and that we've become better at over time. So really being honest with yourself, you know, what are my strengths? And tooting your own horn too, right? That can really help you. And if you want to know the, uh, your character strengths, there's actually a free assessment. If you go to 
It's called the VIA Strengths Assessment. And you can go to viacharacter.org and you can complete an assessment. Um, this is a positive psychology-based assessment that lists what your character strengths are. And you, you find out what your top five signature strengths are. And so just knowing what those are, that can really help you. And, and, and um, knowing what they are too, you can use them to apply them to achieving your goals. The sixth way we can boost our self-efficacy, so again, our belief in our abilities, our, our, our belief that we can change, um, is to savor your wins. So as your goal setting, you know, you can set small goals, like mini goals, tiny goals along the way, and then take time to savor those small wins and notice what it is that you did to make those things happen. So if it's becoming an entrepreneur, celebrating when you get your domain name, selling when or celebrating when you write that first page of your website or you um, set up your Instagram for your business or whatever it is that you're doing, that you savor those wins. And finally, the seventh way to boost your self-efficacy. I love this one and I think it's not talked about very much and yet I think it's so important. And especially when I think of um, women listening to this podcast, I think this is something that as women, um, we could probably, you know, do um, from various reasons, we don't maybe do as good a job of this as we can, we could. And that is to give yourself the permission to own your worth. Oftentimes, we're waiting for an external source to tell us that we're ready to do something. And we come by it honestly, because think about it. Think about school, right? We, you know, we look for an external source to say, okay, you've passed. You can go to grade two, grade four, grade eight, like high school. You get to graduate now, um, post-secondary, whatever it is. We have external sources telling us that we're ready, or even, um, you know, if you are signed up for a program or something, there's different levels and people externally are saying, oh, you're ready to go to level three or level four now. So when it comes to goal setting or and self-efficacy, sometimes there's things in our lives now that as we're older, that we're not getting that external source. Like no one's saying, okay, Brenda, you're ready to start a business now, or you're ready to do this in your business now. That has to come from me. And I have to give myself permission to say, okay, I am worthy of going after this and I can make this change in my life. So give some thought to that and give yourself permission and to know that you are good enough exactly as you are. And you don't have to wait for someone outside of you to say you can do this. Um, you get to tell yourself that you can do it and give yourself permission to go after what it is that you want in your life. So those are the seven ways to boost your self-efficacy. And um, again, how those relate to goal setting is if you're in a situation where you think, why even bother setting goals or wanting to boost your confidence to go after your goals and and um, increase your hope that, okay, if I set a goal, I'm going to be hopeful that I can actually achieve it. These are the different things that you can do to increase your belief in yourself and your belief in your ability to make a change in your life, which really is what goal setting is all about. It's about 
making a, a behavior change or making a change in your life that will help to improve your life. The next thing that I think is really important to do before we even get into setting our goals is to really think about what are my goals for this year? What is it? Or or not even just this year, it could be beyond, right? What is it that I truly want in my life? And it's interesting. I always thought, oh, doesn't everyone just know what their goals are? And a lot of people don't know what their goals are. So if that's you, that is a normal, natural place to be is, and depending on what's going on in your life, um, you know, you might be at a, a crossroads and you're thinking, okay, I accomplished all these goals before and that was great, but I want something different now. And I want to accomplish some, you know, I want my life to go in a different direction now. Or, you know, I know the year when my mom passed away and she passed away, um, it was December 30th of 2012. And I remember in 2013, I I remember like, because I, I have this group, um, this coaching sort of a mastermind group and we would get together every year and we for years and we we share our goals. And I remember saying to them, like, I'm goal, goalless. Like I don't, I don't have any goals. I can't even set any goals right now. And of course I couldn't set goals. I was grieving, right? I was, and, um, you know, and, and if you've lost someone, but you're setting goals, that's okay too, right? But for me, that was not, I was healing. I was, I was grieving. I was still, you know, my mom had been unwell, um, like we'd been dealing with her diagnosis and, and her cancer for 14 months prior. And when it came to that year and setting goals, I just, I just didn't have it in me. I, I was, um, and so if that's you, that's okay too, right? If you're dealing with something and you're saying, you know, Brenda, I just, I can't come up with any goals. Well, maybe you're not meant to. Maybe it's okay for you um, or, and just put it on the back burner and, you know, do whatever it is that you need to be doing for yourself right now. And then um, eventually those, um, you know, those goals, those desires will start to bubble up again. Um, but it's okay if they're dormant for a while because you've got other things going on. So just give yourself permission to to not set goals if uh, if that feels good for you right now. If you're someone though who you want to set goals but you don't know what they are, then I have some suggestions for you. And if you're someone who already knows what your goals are, I still recommend that you do what I'm going to suggest right now because it can help you to enrich the goals you've already set um, or maybe prioritize what your goals are. Um, and they're really fun to do. So one thing you can do if you're not sure what your goals are, there's an activity and this is based in positive psychology research and it's called the best future self activity. It also goes by the name, your best possible life. So best future self or best possible life are some different names that people use for this activity that I'm going to suggest to you. 
So, um, and if you've been following me for a while um, or you've taken my Happiness Habits Academy course, my online digital course, um, you will have already done this um, as one of the many activities in that program. And even if you've done it before, I suggest that you do it again because you it's, it's actually good when you're um, at a stage where you're about to set some new goals. It's a good thing to do. So what you do, and this only takes about 15 minutes, is you pull out a journal and, and yeah, give yourself about 15, 20 minutes and take a moment to imagine your life in the future and look at or think about what is the best possible life you can imagine for yourself. And so you can also consider, you know, different areas of your life. You can look at your work, career, maybe your academics, um, relationships, hobbies, your health, your finances, whatever it is you want to look at, just the different areas of your life you want to focus on. And think about what would happen in these areas of your life in your best possible future. And just journal, just continuously write what you imagine this best possible future to be. And sometimes, you know, it's hard to get out of your head and, you know, you might start to examine, you know, and start to feel down on yourself because you think, oh, this, my current life doesn't match this future that I'm imagining for myself. And so then you start to think about, you start going down that road of, oh, you know, it's been hard to accomplish goals in the past. And will I have the time? Will I have the money? What's going to get in the way to make these things happen? Um, But for the purpose of this exercise, if you could just, you know, set that aside, set those doubts aside and imagine a brighter future. Imagine that you are your best self and that your circumstances change just enough to make this best possible life happen. And it's really helpful too, the more specific you can get, the better. So if you're thinking about a new career, um, you know, write out, you know, maybe it's a new job or a new business. Imagine exactly what you would do, who you'd work with, where it would be. Um, the more specific you are, the more you'll get engaged in this activity and the more you'll get out of it. And be as creative and imaginative as you want. And so you don't need to worry about grammar or spelling and and just let yourself dream. It doesn't have to be like based in, you know, pure reality here. Um, you know, you want it to be still something that is believable. Um, there's different ways of doing this where you can actually um, just actually you know, set the sky as the limit. That's another way of doing this if you want to. Um, For the purposes of this exercise, I would say imagine a brighter future where your circumstances change just enough to make this best possible life happen. So when you do this, um, what you can do is it can really, what it does is it helps you to prioritize what's important. It helps you to learn about yourself, learn what you want. Sometimes you might be surprised like, oh, wow, like, I thought I was going to write about, you know, um, my career part of my life, but I ended up talking a lot about my health and my fitness. And you start to realize, hmm, maybe that's the thing, you know, that's what I really want to focus on this year. Um, Or or you could have, you know, both as goals. You don't have to have one or the other, but you'll be surprised. Um, And it can really help you to look at your priorities in your life and help you to figure out what your goals might be 
for the upcoming year. So if you're someone who isn't sure what your goals are, or even if you do, um, I highly, highly recommend doing this exercise. The other thing this exercise does is it helps to increase your optimism. And they recommend actually doing this for 15 minutes a day for two weeks. And so if you have the uh, time and the inclination to do this, um, you know, give it a go and uh, and see what these different um see what this best future self or best possible self looks like for you. So that is the first thing I recommend as a pre-goal setting activity to figure out what you want to focus on this year. There's some other things you can do, um, some other activities that can help you to clarify what you even want your what goals you want to set. So before we jump into in the next episode talking about like here are the exact strategies for, you know, um, goal setting based in science and goal setting research um, to think about, you know, what are those goals? Um, Another thing you can do, and this comes from Stephen Covey from The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, sounds a little bit morbid, but he recommends that you write out Um, imagine it's your funeral and write out your eulogy and it could be different versions. So what would a grandchild say about you? What would a coworker say about you? What would a friend say about you? And write the eulogy that you would want someone to say at your funeral. If that's too morbid for you, another version I have of this exercise that's maybe a little more fun and celebratory is think about your 80th birthday party or 90th birthday or 100th birthday, whatever you want it to be. So imagine you're at a later age though, and this is your birthday party and these same people are getting up to to do a toast or a speech about you. So it doesn't have to be a eulogy. It could just be about, you know, why you're so wonderful um, and the impact you've had on their lives or whatever the toast might be. But the you would include in that the things that you would want these people to say about you, about the traits that you have, the accomplishments in your life, and the impact that you've made on others and your legacy, maybe on the world, whatever it is. So that's another way to kind of dream a little bit and to help you to think about what's really important to you. And then what you can do is you can okay, let's say it's your 90th birthday, then you can be thinking, okay, based on where I'm at in my life right now, um, what do I want to accomplish in this next year or the next five years? If that's what, you know, who the person I'm looking um, at becoming in the future. So that's another strategy. So the best possible self or the best future self activity, the eulogy or birthday toast (laughs) um, activity. Uh, Another thing that people do is you've probably heard of a bucket list where you write, you know, 100 things you want to do before you die. Um, The idea being is, you know, before you kick the bucket, that's why they call it a bucket list, right? So what are the 100 things you want to accomplish before you die? And then you can actually say, okay, well, what would I what do I need to do this year? If Or what, what are some of those things on your list that maybe you could do this year or at least start preparing um, this year so that you can do it in the future? So that is another thing is to make a list 
And that can be a fun thing to do as well. And then lastly, um, this is an activity that Barbara Share. Um, she was my mentor and she's written a number of books. Um, one of her really great activities is the ideal life um, or, or the ideal day activity. And so this is where you write down what an ideal day would be for you. But this is not an ideal day when you're on vacation. It's a day like a Tuesday. You know, what are you doing? So your regular day-to-day life, but an ideal day. So what is it that you would be doing? Um, so let's say during the week, because so that it could include, you know, if, if it includes work or career, um, again, not a vacation day, but a regular day in your life. But what would that ideal day look like? And she recommends that you really allow yourself to dream. Like, where do you want to be living? Who do you want to be with? What do you want to be doing? What do you want to be wearing? What people do you want to surround yourself with? Um, and what are you doing from the minute you wake up until the minute you go to bed with that ideal day? Again, a really fun activity. And, you know, you kind of let yourself dream the sky's the limit. And then that can really help you to clarify some things that are important to you. So it may not be that your goal is that you create that exact ideal day, but there's elements of it that you can tie into what your goals are for this year and really getting at what is important to you. What what do you really want to be doing in your life and what would be the ideal situation? So these are some really fun ideas, some ways, and there's, oh my goodness, there's so many different ways to do this, but these are just a few ways, some of my favorite activities for getting at answering the question of, you know, what are my goals or what's important to me? So what are my goals for this year um, or for my life? And then you can see what you need to be doing this year or in the next six months um, in order to make those things happen. So you don't have to do all of them. I'm just suggesting. So if there's one of them that, or you can do all of them if you'd like, or if there's one of them that you think, oh, that one sounds really interesting to me, then uh, then go ahead and do that. So I'm giving you some of my really, um, these are some really powerful tools that I'm sharing with you today. So I hope you will take the time to do them. So we've talked today about um, setting goals. We've talked about how to, what to do if you've kind of lost hope or your faith in yourself, belief in yourself that you can achieve your goals. So how you can boost your self-efficacy and then talked about some ways to even figure out what what should my goals be? What, what do I want my goals um, to be for the upcoming year? And then next week, um, what we're going to do is take that next step, which is choosing um, between one and three goals. It's not. It's it's always good to three goals at any given time is is probably the maximum number you want to be working on, is what the research shows. So we'll take one to three goals, and we will apply. Um, but I'm going to make it fun. We'll apply the goal setting science so that it's not just an intention that or a a New Year's resolution that's out floating there, but it's actually something that can become a tangible goal that you can start working toward so that 
in the next month, two months, six months, by the end of the year, you can look back and say, wow, I accomplished. Look what I accomplished. Look what I did. And so we'll be applying the research and talking about what you can start doing now in your day-to-day life to achieve these goals that you've decided are important for you. So stay tuned and we will be doing that next week. In the meantime, happy uh, pre-goal setting, pre-goal planning. And if you haven't already, um, go back and also do the year-end review episode 61 and uh, and then do this, these activities we talked about today, and then uh, you'll be all set and ready for next week when we do the actual goal planning and goal setting so you can meet those goals for this year. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week or I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the She Flourishes podcast. I hope this episode has inspired you to keep on creating the flourishing life you deserve. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend who would benefit from it. And remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you're listening. To learn more about how you can live a flourishing life, head over to brendajasmine.com or follow me on Instagram at underscore brendajasmine. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, keep on sharing your gifts with the world. See you soon.